Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Michael Jr. That is me. With me, as always, a man who now knows the question of, you just won the Super Bowl, what are you going to do now? Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? I'm spending thousands of dollars at Disney World. That's the shame of it, is you know the Super Bowl <laughs> MVP spends nothing and just gets to show up to Disney World hungover, shaking hands and waving at babies. True, true. I also, I got around it a little bit too, Mike. Uh, we went to Disney World the day before Carter turned three years old, which saved us about $178. Why did that save you money? Uh, as soon as the child is three, they're ticketed like a normal human. Oh my God. So, so, so for, yeah, for anyone that's not caught up to date here, uh, yes, yes, yes. Brandon took his family to Disney World in Florida for his son Carter's three year old birthday party. I did not realize three was the cut. I love various ages that we decide 18 when it comes to being able to buy porn, tobacco, and join the military, 13 and a lot of religious <laughs> sex. But at Disney World, when you're three, you're an adult in the eyes of the mouse. Three, three. Like we, we, we showed up there with our the birth certificate in hand because, you know, Carter Carter's tall. You know what I mean? He right. uses his words well. Some people are not buying that he's three years old. So uh but yes, it was it was a great time, Mike, and uh money was saved. There we go. We love that bit of money savings there. Overall, this was your first foray into being a Disney parent. For anyone that's not watching right now, and as always, we appreciate those who download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Michael Oak Jr. tab. We have a great show today. We have got plenty of inquiry as to what the hell John Morant is currently doing what went on at the NFL Combine this weekend plus uh, a ton of other stuff this was a jam-packed weekend in sports submissions in the USC uh, UFC other bad blood in the NBA but Brandon this was your first crack at being a Disney dad as your shirt says for the people watching on YouTube how do you feel right now 
Uh, good, Mike. Good. Mainly because I don't have to wear this shirt on the day of. Uh, there's a lot of matching outfits that come with going to Disney with your children. Uh, my family did none of that, which I'm very, very thankful for. But my mom got jealous watching everyone else in matching outfits. So in the cake cer- ceremony that happened when we got back home from Florida, we all had to wear grandma, grandpa, mom, brother, dad, Disney t-shirts that uh, had either Mickey ears or Minnie ears on the mic so so i'm i'm rocking it just because you know this is something to wear for the podcast i also have my fun uh disney uh mickey ears hat but outside of that it, it ain't nothing you know what i mean shout out to the genie fast pass that if, if you if you pay a little bit more you get to do the lightning lane uh, for specific times, specific hours. We were kind of bouncing between that. So it, it, it honestly was a pretty seamless trip. Carter's favorite ride was the the uh, the race cars where he could drive himself. I went a little bit too crazy on the teacups. So he, he kind of he had that old shit look, daddy <laughs> save me or slow us down type of thing on his face. Oh, no. And then uh, the, seven, the only real roller coaster out there for the Magic Kingdom is the uh seven elves like wooden train thing and it's actual like kind of it moves you right he was terrified during that entire ride but at the end of the night i asked him what his favorite thing he was he did all day was the actual roller coaster so he's 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 sipping the kool-aid fear equals excitement equals let's do that again that's great because I feel like setting that tone early is going to make your life as an amusement park going dad so much. I don't know. Are you a roller yes. coaster guy? Do you like that stuff? Because I feel like it would be a huge bummer if you were into that stuff to all of a sudden have your kid be like, no, 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 no. We're not doing this. Hey, I, I grew up at Kentucky Kingdom that became Six Flags Kentucky Kingdom uh, when I was like 12 or 11. So I'm all about that roller coaster uh, life, Mike, but I'm also have been big my entire life so mm. that uh that latch bar and pulling it down especially when you if you ride the ride with your kids and it's that same bar so like there's so much space bro <laughs> between them because my thighs are so like large so yes i am a roller coaster dad but size makes it a lot of things more complicated that latch bar is terrifying because when you're a bigger guy there's two options one loose enough to make you concerned and two yes tight enough to make you not be able to breathe for the entire ride and very rarely is there that gear in between where it clicks in and especially for the hanging coasters last place you want to be is too loose to party that's the last thing i want on my mind vice gripping that thing through the entire ride honestly roller coasters make me uncomfortable because they don't have a weight limit like they don't know how much I wear. The other people are around me weigh. Like that's why I love zip lining and and uh, what else? Uh, uh, skydiving. All those things have weight limits because that shit should matter. Airplanes freak me out. That I don't have to tell them how much I weigh before I walk on private planes. They do use that and, well, and try to organize people. I was gonna say if it's smaller small smaller planes yes. do too, where yes. they're very cognizant of where you're sitting and making sure everyone's in their spots there. So. I feel like it's once it gets to the bigger stuff, but you're right. Most roller coasters, especially one at smaller amusement parks, not Disney, but some of the smaller ones there, they're not as big. They're not as grandiose and they're surely not as well constructed. No, definitely not. Definitely not. But speaking of well constructed and being tight and fitting into things. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) You're Spanx, Mike. You're, you're, you're thotty ass. Like, 
thirst trapping. Like Michelle went through my phone uh, in Mexico, like went through my and found found some pictures that I didn't send anyone else. And she said, "Who the hell got these?" Like because they were kind of thirst trappy. Like I'm asking you, Mike, as your significant other, who the hell do you think you are sharing your tiny tights to the world? I'm someone who's grown up having all of my business be public since I was 12. I don't know how to not overshare. That's what I realized through all of this. Because there was one point I looked up where even my family, like I had put this out without telling my family I was doing it. And so my sister fires it into our family's group chat. It's like, Mike, what the fuck? And I just realized that a lifetime of having stories about me clanking my dick between weights told on morning radio as a kid, having my parents, like, my dad play the porn bed music anytime he joked about my folks going home and having sex or something, having all of that broadcast at such an early age has now numbed me to social norms. And so when I saw an ad, I mean, it was back February 20th, I saw the ad that was one of just those ads, a million of them that run on Twitter now, from some company called DeGray Official, which is not official from what I've seen in dealing with them. (laughs) They are official in handle only. But I saw this and thought, all right, it's big guys wearing man spanks. I probably need to sample this for the better of big people everywhere. And sure enough, I ordered it back on February 20th and it arrived on March 4th. It arrived in a nondescript plastic bag with no markings, no branding, and just Chinese words on a tag on the inside. And so right off the bat, I'm looking at this thing and approaching with extreme caution and went to go put it on and very quickly realized in my haste they had not sized this for a person of my height maybe my girth but not my height and so my official review of these man spanks was maybe they'd be helpful if you had them to come all the way up to what uh, women i think refer to as the bust line but for me it just Mm. sawed my stomach in half made me look fatter and then gave me a stomach ache Gave you, gave you more of a stomach than you had, and then made that stomach ache. Yes, well, I uh, had a pretty big stomach be- that day just because I had been eating a bunch of cookies. I had gotten a shipment okay. of cookies in from this place, and uh, probably ate what amounts to like fifteen hundred calories of them in a couple hour period. So okay. definitely okay. was feeling fluffy. Well, I mean, I was vacationing, so I had a honey bun. Uh, I couldn't find the churros at uh, at, at um, but I felt oh, and there's a Portillo's in mm. Orlando. Uh, near where I was staying, so you know I went uh, crazy on some um, Italian beefs and whatnot. But yes, Mike, I, I my issue isn't with the picture, it isn't with how it fit you. It's the fact that I know for a fact you put that shit on your nether regions without washing washing it first. No, I did like, wash it first. I did wash did. it first. Yes, okay. I abs- my, I look abs- at you. Absolutely look at you did. Grown up, Michael. I was like, I saw that and I was just like, I know he put that foreign ass object straight on his skin. And and as someone who smelled like it it smelled like chemicals and had words I didn't understand in a language I can't read on it. I was taking no chances after all the stuff that went on with the balloon. I don't know what's going on anymore. I thank you, Mike. I'm I'm currently wearing a two X Mickey's dad shirt that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast that was not washed at all, and I just smell it. I don't know if anyone knows like that that fresh T shirt straight out. It's just not. It's not like it was when it was back in the day. Like this is. It feels it feels gross on the body. 
you start to get that little bit of itch that lets you know you've made a huge mistake. So, yeah, no, these were washed. I gave them a fair chance. They definitely slimmed a little bit on the side profile, but in the front, unless you can get it up over your entire belly to right under the man boobs, you're probably not going to get the desired result that you want. It did give me a deeper appreciation and a different different connecting point with every woman in my life. Because as Mm. this picture started to go pseudo-viral, especially when my dad decided to shit on me, and say that I was now, as he ranked his kids, behind both my brother, sister, and all three of their dogs, even though I learned it by watching him. Like, I'm still in therapy from the butt photo after Notre Dame lost to Northwestern in football that year during Mike and Mike. So he did this. All of this is his fault. My brain worms that led me to doing this are straight from him as we now get into our 30s and unpack the baggage our parents gave us. That is completely fair, Mike. But if you learn anything from your father, it's that money talks. And I don't know if you put enough money into this situation, into the photograph, into the the actual item. Because the butt photo you're referring to, your dad looks great. Let's just call it what it is. Like it, it maybe it's too revealing, but your dad looks great. And then maybe the oil and stuff like that. Like I think with a little bit more production value and a little bit more people involved in the photo shoot. We wouldn't be talking about this instance the way we are talking about it. Right so now. I have because I had taken a video doing sort of a review of this product that I ended up not okay. posting. I have a friend who did a pretty <laughs> wild edit of it. And so tomorrow we'll put up a post and for a certain amount of retweets. I will post the edited video. It is spectacular. Okay. Okay. Okay, so we're talking. we've got we're a, talking. we've got a goal for tomorrow. Anyone else at Mike Golick Jr. on Twitter, if you want an even more detailed review of this product, my larger friends, uh, keep that in mind. But again, this gave me a a different and more unique understanding of some of the things that our female counterparts go through. The women in my life who saw this reached out and said, now you know how we feel. Some of us mm-hmm. that have to go down the road of wearing Spanx, it's incredibly constrictive. I take my hat off. Women are forced to do far too much in the name of beauty by society. I hope we can get to a place where that's not the case because after walking not even a mile, maybe like a quarter mile in their Spanx, I don't know how y'all do it. So nothing but respect for my my lady presidents. Hey, International Women's Month. Perfect time. That is true. Shout it out. Um, Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, That's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice-cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there and you get to that little clubhouse there and they've always got the candy bar options. And I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. 
And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Brandon, let's uh, let's get to some sports since we did have some going on over the weekend. Uh, as always, at Gojo Show on Twitter is where you can get at us as well as I just pub my own handles here. But Brandon, yes. I wanted to start off before we got to any of the actual on-field, on-court stuff with all the news that happened off-court. Because you and I both said at a different point this weekend, we felt like we kind of missed the boat not getting to talk about John Morant at the end yeah. of last week. Unfortunately, yeah. that story kept evolving as the week kept going on. For anyone that missed it, this NBA season, since we hit 2023, I need to know what Jaws New Year's resolution was. <laughs> because apparently laying low and enjoying some casual hobbies was not in there. For anyone that missed it, we can go all the way back. So back in January, on January 29th after a game against the Indiana Pacers. You had a post-game confrontation between acquaintances of John Morant and the Pacers traveling party after the game. NBA security and investigators investigated an issue where reportedly someone uh, alleged by the in the Pacers organization that a red laser was pointed at members of them from the sport utility vehicle that Morant was a passenger in. Um, you know, uh, one of Jaws' fr longtime friends was banned from the arena after that incident, but nothing else really ended up coming from it. It was going to be hard to uh, substantiate, and so we moved on. Fast forward to this past week. Story comes out in the Washington Post documenting an incident that had previously gone unreported from last summer where John Morant apparently had an encounter with the head of security at a mall in Memphis that said that John Morant threatened him during an altercation in the parking lot, leaving him alarmed enough to file a police complaint. A member of Morant's group shoved the director in the head, uh, told the police no arrests were made. Apparently in that one, John Morant's mom got into some sort of altercation at a, like a store at the mall and called Ja to come help handle it. And he did show up, and that was what ensued. Four days later, Morant reportedly punched a teenage boy in the head during a pickup basketball game at Jaws' house. The boy told police, Morant and his friends struck the 17-year-old so hard, allegedly, that they knocked him to the ground and left him with a large knot on the side of his head, according to a police report narrative written by deputies who said they observed the boy's injuries. Now, Jaws said it was self-defense. The boy claims that he tried to, you know, throw the ball and do like a hard check at Jaw, and it went and missed jaw's hands and hit him in the head and then it got physical from there so again a bunch of instances instances that on their own kind of hard to prove whatever the truth of but now starting to get stacked closer together we're all going all right all right something feels kind of weird about this and then you had this end of last week where john morant saturday or uh, excuse me it was 519 a.m. Eastern, I think Friday morning, hours after the Grizzlies had lost to the Denver Nuggets, John Morant was shirtless in an Instagram Live video, holding up a handgun with his left hand while, you know, drinking and carry on in the club or strip club. I don't, I don't know what it was, but wherever they were partying at. Now, since then, the Grizzlies announced on Saturday that Ja would be away from the team for the next two games, and Ja put out a statement on his uh, Instagram story that said, I'm sorry to my family, friends, teammates, coaches, fans, partners, the city of Memphis, and the entire organization for letting you 
down. I'm going to take some time away to get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall well-being. Brandon, I list all of those out in totality because, again... John Morant's been a very likable guy since he's come into the league. He's been a big star, one of the most exciting players that we can watch. And so if we were to see any one of these that had popped up right on their own, probably could have looked at it and goes, all right, you know, maybe there's something we're missing about this. Maybe there's something that we don't know and found a way to sort of excuse that away as, you know what? He's 23 years old. Maybe something got out of hand, but don't think too much of it. Going back to last summer, now that we've got all these things that we've also dealt with in the span of a week, more or less, now you start to look at this and go, all right, what exactly is John Morant thinking right now? And his age starts to really shine through there, right? These seem like in their totality, when you consider them all together, the decisions made by a 23-year-old that's acting a bit immaturely, at least in this part of his life. Yeah, definitely, Mike. But I I mean, I would say that this started last year a little bit obviously these incidents are are real and there's actual victims here now but this type of like confusing confusing behavior from him i I don't know if you guys remember but after the warrior series uh where john morant kind of solidified himself as probably one of the most entertaining players in basketball at that time especially in the playoffs making that series what it was after they got bounced out, he was doing some weird stuff on his IG live, like doing taking a bunch of like money phone pictures. And if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, that's when rappers take a it's traditionally rappers, but it's a stack of cash and they hold it up to their ears if they're on the phone. And uh, was kind of drinking publicly on social media, like taking private jets to places and you know having a oh, letting yeah. his hair down a little bit more. And I remember specifically when that happened, Brandon. A lot of people were talking about that, and that was one of those moments where, again, in isolation, I looked at that and go, "Man, it's the end of a long season." If that guy wants to drink and smoke on his Instagram live, I'm not really going to clutch pearls over that, right? Because right. No, yeah. the way we talk about marijuana now, it's a lot different. We've, you know, we finally yes. removed a lot of that stigma around young people doing that. The guy was partying on IG Live. We understand that especially the younger generation does a lot of stuff. Like I talked about, I posted a picture of myself in goddamn Manx on social media. There's a lot of us that have come up knowing only sharing everything we've got on social media because that's the way that it's always been. So that one incident, I didn't yeah. read too much into. No, not at all. But I think it was an, it was the beginning of Josh showing us the type of things that he thought was entertaining, funny, shareable, uh, relatable to who he was. Outside of all the conversations about him and his his family and his daughter and him being a, a dad at that time, and after that, he very famously bought homes for his father and his family on his property one home for his father another home for his sister i believe and that was like a a moment where everyone was kind of celebrating oh it's like john morant this like player that is at the time wholesome was kind of a part of his narrative and uh, a, a guy who hasn't really been in a big market i know a lot of people were saying that memphis kind of saved him in drafting him because he's the, a small market type of guy. Went to Murray State in Kentucky, went to Crestwood in South Carolina before that in, in Sumter, South Carolina, where my dad coaches high school football. Like it's a very small town and Memphis helped him just focus on basketball. Now I'm hearing from 
conservative sports heads that Memphis is the problem here with John Morant, that he's he's around the ruffians in, in Memphis the way Elvis Presley was growing up on Beale Street. And this, this, this. Like, I, I, I don't like those narratives, Mike's, but I, but I do realize that there may be a departure in priorities, attitude, like image that John Morant is going through. And I bring up all those people that are around him now and his newfound fame and his obviously his family that's around him before that I don't know if I want to blame him as much as I want to blame the people around him right now for these incidents. Now, obviously, this incident with the basketball player, him beating up a 17-year-old, that happened at his house. Like, I, I feel like there's there's this, like, ruffiant type of, like, obviously, like, uh, Allen Iverson, not you know, the, the, those comparisons start coming out after that last playoff series, Mike. But I don't want to blame Ja. I want to blame his youth and the people around him right now. But the fact that he's saying that he needs help is probably is a huge step. Obviously, well, from what he had, what he's done now, he's had to say something. The the one thing I'd say about all that is like none of those people made Ja hold a gun up on Instagram Live. Like at some point, you invite problem. He did that on his own. The rest of this, we can talk about there being other actors involved. This was him. And to do that in a week where you had already had all of this other negative press stemming from those stories in the Washington Post, for there not to be some awareness of, man, I really got to lay low. And really, like, he could have gone out that night, could have gone out with the gun, could have gone out drinking till five in the morning. And had he not posted of his own volition on social media, We're not talking about any of this. He did that himself. And at some point, he's got to own up for his portion of things here. It's an old saying I always heard one of our friends say, if you go looking for trouble, you might just find it. And a lot of this seems like looking for trouble in one way or the other. And I'm not denying it's hard. Like, I don't, there's all these other side debates that have popped up on if this is Ja fronting like he's something he's not, if this is who Ja, I don't know who Ja Morant really is. I don't really care who Ja Morant really is. What Ja Morant is doing is potentially putting himself in a position and on a path where he could jeopardize the shit he's worked really hard to get. Like you just said, he was able to put on his whole team, his whole family, and buy them places on his property. That's incredible. He's done that with his ability. What he's made of himself, what his family, sure, helped him get to, but he's done all that. I love to give athletes credit for the things that they've gone and built for themselves. You got to protect that stuff, man. I think that's all. When everyone's talking about this, they come from most most people. Like you said, there's always going to be bad actors. Most people, I think, come to this from a place of compassion where they look and say, this guy's got so much going for him. We don't want to see you wreck it doing stuff that's easily preventable. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would say this, since the, the boat has been rocked severely at this point in time with all the, the stories that are coming out, if there's not a change of course now, then I then now I'm now I'm starting to look at Ja Morant specifically a little differently. Right. Like you're off the court for two games and it's not been right. explicitly called a suspension, but he's not playing basketball for them for two games. Nike put out a statement as Jaws' signature shoe is also something that's just like all of this is the money. 
And yeah. the one thing that I've always appreciated, I remember going to a camp in Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin at one point was just kind of running through the rules of training camp and the stuff that was expected when we got to Latrobe in Pennsylvania where they do training camp. And he said, if you're late to stuff, I'm not going to run you or do anything. I'm just going to find your ass. I'll lighten your wallet. Like we got rules and ways to do that in the CBA. This is grown right. folks business. And if you mess up, it affects you financially. And so that's all the stuff that's got to be become re- coming real here in a way that I also understand and acknowledge you brought up an important dynamic. He bought all that stuff for his family. When you're the one that makes all this cash, we've talked about Mm -hmm. this a lot on this podcast. You simultaneously have to grow up a lot as an athlete, as someone who's got unbelievable finances now has to find and make sure you're protecting that, managing it, doing the right things with all that financially. you got to grow up a lot. Whereas normal maturity wise, you can still be in a very different place because you've been playing this game that you're so gifted at. That's allowed you to operate in that way for a long time. And I think that kind of always goes in opposite directions with athletes, myself included. Like I'm speaking from a bit of experience on that. And so I do acknowledge that, there's that difficulty of you're kind of the one. Like, I know we see T. Morant everywhere, and his dad's around, and his dad's really visible, but the power dynamic there, Jaws the one that's got the money. Jaws the one that's taking care of everybody, and I understand that's got to put different stress on people. I've never been in that position. I've never been in the position where I've been taking care of the rest of my family in that way, and so right. I'll acknowledge and try and account for things that I can't understand about that dynamic when it comes to people checking you along the way, people telling right. you, hey, you got to slow down and do this because that dynamic is different amongst that entire group that's in his orbit and honestly what we should all be thanking ourselves for is he's learning a lesson right now publicly in a way that's relatively low stakes right no one's casting him off and getting rid of him yet he didn't do outside of you know again the alleged altercation between him and a 17 year old but hasn't done we'll say irreparable harm to himself or others yet Like, we haven't gotten up to that line. And so, again, the hope is now he's learned and there's been enough warning signals that have flashed in all these important places around him that this will now be something he does learn from and that this two days won't just be the you know Grizzlies sitting him down because they feel like they got to do something here so that Adam Silver doesn't come in and do more them just trying to get ahead of it but it's actually John Morant taking a second circling up with his crew and his parents and his family and saying, all right, I've got to act different and I need your guys help in doing that. And that takes again, a level of maturity that a lot of us don't have at 23. So maybe it's going to be more than that. Hopefully there's people inside that organization, even that he trusts or other mentors that he's got in his life that could help out with that. Because this is a spot where you've got to be mature beyond where most people probably are at 23, because you've got more than most people could ever fathom having at 23. And yeah, It's not a jealousy thing. It's again, we want to see you keep all of that. We want to see you be able to enjoy the fruits of your unbelievable talents and work. Well, not not only that, Mike, I think a lot is riding on him to be the next face of the NBA. Like, I know that sounds silly and seems far-fetched, especially at this point in time, but the Grizzlies are second in the West right now. Like, they've been good. They've proven who they can be and who they are. And he is the, you know, the, the solar system uh, that, that this whole organization is built around. And I, you know, of those top three people in the draft between 
him, uh, Zion Williamson, and, and R.J. Barrett. The, the the fact that like he is arguably of that draft the most n- noticeable name when oh, it comes to what it's not they've even done arguing. on the court. He is absolutely the most the biggest star from that draft class because Zion's been injured so much and so often at but this I, point. I I agree, but I, I say that because Zion is still such a big name. But like that's something that John Morant has been living with since he played AAU basketball with Zion Williamson in South Carolina. So I I, I just I think the the importance and why his name is floating around is because we do have young NBA players or NBA players, young NBA fans wearing John Morant jerseys that are nowhere near the Memphis Grizzlies, right? Like there's there's like John Morant has become the guy who cuts through on social media as well on the basketball court for the analysts that are paid to actually cover basketball. So the reality is this guy could be even more important moving forward and he will not be if these antics keep up and start to snowball. Yeah, and that's a thing like that's a great opportunity for the league and it's added incentive for someone like Adam Silver to call Ja and say, hey man, are, are, are we good? Like, do you yeah. understand? Like someone in a position like that to come and lend a helping hand, not really come down on somebody, but say at this juncture, hey, you've got an incredible opportunity because yeah, it's beneficial for the league. I, we can't make Ja want that stuff. Even if Ja wasn't doing all this, if Ja didn't want to be the face of basketball, we've seen plenty of guys punt on that, right? That's not a prerequisite for success and holding on to what's yours. If he just wanted to show up every day and say, hey, I'm going to play basketball. I don't need all the rest of that stuff. I'm not playing for you guys. I'm playing for me. I want to take care of myself and my family. That would all be good. But what you bring up is, again, further incentive for anyone involved from the Grizzlies, from the NBA during this couple of days where Jaws off the court as they reassess all this to step in because they do have an added incentive as we are watching the last remaining years of LeBron James in the NBA to say, yeah, yeah. we want all hands on deck. We want to make sure our young stars are going to be around here. And so there's got to be a message sent and received during this time period to make sure we don't see these things anymore. Because again, when you put them all up and collect in their totality, it's a decision-making track record right now that doesn't look like it's going to send Ja to the place that he wants to be or the place that anyone wants to see him go. So we hope that all changes. And by the time we see Ja back on the court, hopefully these stories are going to be a thing of the past. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Brandon. Let's talk about more young people from over the weekend here. It's Monday on this show. We give out roses every week except for last week on Monday because you weren't here and then I forgot when I was doing the show with dad. So I will just say it's because we weren't home. We didn't have that opportunity, but uh, we are a show that loves reality dating. Uh, came up on the bachelor tip and so we each give out two roses to deserving recipients from over the weekend and i thought this might be a good opportunity to do a little bit of combine edition because we finished up the nfl combine on sunday brandon with the running backs and offensive line groups um and so 
I figure I'll go first on this and we can just get all of our combine roses out of the way. I know you've got one non-combine rose, but looking from the start of the weekend to the end, I think we're going to have a conversation about the quarterbacks, but I did want to give some love to what we saw yet another year where a Georgia Bulldog decides to show up and show out big time. Early on in the weekend, Nolan Smith, the edge rusher from Georgia, put on an absolute show. 238 pounds. He had a 41 and a half inch vertical, a 10 foot 8 inch broad jump. And a 43940. According to ESPN stats and info, he's the second heaviest player to run a sub 4440 and have a 40 plus four, uh, inch vertical at the combine since 2006, only behind Vernon Davis, who we remember was a combine freak mm. and in general a freak of nature that ended up vaulting him well past where his ability on the field probably should have. But yes. this is reeks of Jordan Davis and what we saw last year, Brandon. You had all the shots and videos of his Georgia teammates back in the lab, all in their facility and locker room, watching Nolan ball out like that. Nolan Smith also gave a clinic on preaching the gospel of their defensive philosophy in Georgia. Yes. And the soundbite that went viral, we do more with less not meaning less talent, but meaning with fewer players in the box on defense and really didn't mm-hmm. explaining that well, but also gave Georgia a bunch of free pub on the recruiting tip. He was awesome, but he ended up being overshadowed by my second rose in Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida, who went absolutely fucking dumb. The 6'4", 244-pound <laughs> quarterback from Florida set combine records for a quarterback with a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical, a 10-foot-9-inch broad jump, which if you're keeping score at home, both of those greater than sign what we saw from Nolan Smith outside of the vertical that was an inch shorter, but also then uncorked a 4.43 uh, time in the 40-yard dash. It was terrifying. Brandon, that man is a tank and a tank that moves very, very fast. So those are my two roses for those guys. Who is your combine, Rose? I mean, I can't can I I don't want to get off of Anthony Richardson. We're not we're not go, we're not going to. I wanna I wanna have okay. a, a conversation about the quarterbacks in total here. So Okay, okay. Um well my combine rose for one has to go to Bryce Young. Mm. Not because of what he did or didn't do, Mike, but because of his size and all the conversations that come from it. Uh, you spoke about how we knew how big or little that he may or may not be, but the numbers are in. It's official. He is five foot ten and one eighth. And then also coming in at two hundred and four pounds, Mike. Which, and everyone threw this graphic up immediately at the weigh-in, was only three pounds lower than former number one overall pick Kyler Murray. Yes. Now, now the con- the con- comparisons start to fly in, and then there's some evaluators saying that, that that might be extremely lazy, because if you're looking at Bryce Young and what he can and can't do, he is more like a, I'm quoting someone here, a Drew Brees than he is like a Kyler Murray when it comes to being a leader and the decisions that he makes in the pocket. So I wanted to give the floor to you to speak on what you think about Bryce Young after the measurables came out. 
Yeah, I, I think it's a good time to kind of take stock of all these top quarterbacks now that we're coming off this, right? Because we yes. walked into the weekend with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud from Ohio State being the sort of known commodities. And then in that next group, you had Will Levis, the quarterback from Kentucky, and Anthony Richardson as these insanely tool-rich guys who were more inconsistent on the field. And so we were excited to watch here, right? You had Will Levis saying he was excited to throw at the combine because he has a cannon. He wanted to show it off. And Anthony right. Richardson was one of the few quarterbacks that did uh, one of the few top quarterbacks that did all of the testing, went through and did all of those things. And all of those guys, Sands, Bryce Young, also threw at the combine. And so right. I think coming off of it, Brandon, for me, like starting with Bryce Young and that conversation about number one overall, I had previously said, I think you can make an argument for three players at number one right now. Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, and Anthony Richardson when it comes to the quarterbacks. You can make an argument, I think, for those three players to go number one overall. And I had Will Levis and the rest of the quarterbacks just on the outside looking in of that conversation. Some people are going to throw Hendon Hooker's name in in the quarterback conversation for potential first-round yeah. guys. But I think coming off of this weekend, probably still in the same spot. For Bryce Young... Yes, measurable-wise, very similar to Kyler Murray. You look at the build, though, Bryce Young is not as thick as Kyler Murray. We all know a lot of these weights when it comes to getting ready for the combine and pro day, and I could speak from firsthand experience. Was trying to get to 300 pounds and was there only by the grace of drinking about a gallon and a half of water on the day of pro day. Going in and watching all of us weigh in at Notre Dame's pro day and then going in the bathroom five minutes after that and listening to the sound of like 15 guys piss more than they have ever pissed in their lives. Like Bryce Young is probably not at 204 playing weight right now. Mm, like that's mm -hmm. just the reality. And so... Yeah. He is what he is. The 5'10 is kind of what we knew and expected. and But for some people, seeing, all right, the weight and stuff is more often just how serious did you take the process? How much time did you put it? How much did it matter to you to get that number moving north? And like a lot of other things with Bryce Young, we saw that mattered. So I could see him absolutely still being in the number one conversation. If you made me kind of order of operations this thing at this point, I'd probably have C.J. Stroud as the first guy. Because, man, watching him throw the football with what we saw in a couple of games last year, you look at the game against Michigan for them and then the game against Georgia that really set the alarms off for everybody. Guy throws yeah. a really pretty ball. And we saw in the Georgia game, it's just mobile enough, right? Him and Bryce are probably never, you know, Bryce is more mobile than C.J., if we're going to order those guys, CJ's mobile enough to get out of trouble, probably not mobile enough to be a real run threat for you, but mobile enough to get you out of trouble and really clean in all the other places. Got a really strong arm. Deep ball looked really pretty in that. So I could see him as you look around and start to take stock of this. Bryce and some of the size things could absolutely still scare you. He's going to be a top five pick. That I know. That I am very comfortable with. But if you make yeah. him the first overall pick, that's a little bit different as you're assessing the risk that comes with durability. And so that could still be a question there. But Anthony Richardson's in it now. Because yes, we've already yes, seen yes. in the lead-up, people going back and watching his tape and realizing guys further along than we all gave him credit for, right? We looked at a lot of Florida's bad record last year and laid that all at his feet. That was a team in transition, not a ton of offensive weapons, all these things that we're now hearing pop up more and more. And you combine that with the fact that 
This guy has gifts the likes of which we haven't seen in a long time, if ever, in totality at quarterback. Like, he's got a gear that even Cam Newton didn't necessarily have coming out, even if he is certainly not as accomplished as one of the best college football players of all time. I The best quote I heard from him this weekend was saying that he likens himself to, he likes to refer to himself as Cam Jackson because of how much he loved watching Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson play growing in college and in the NFL. And he's talking about striving to get that number. Uh, we're talking about get, wait for Bryce Young. It seems like it's important to him that he is as fast and as big and as toolsy as he knows himself to be. Well, he also understands, hey, this is good press, right? Now it's going to make everyone look even that much harder and dive in because, man, if you weren't already invested in what you saw playing out on the field before in some of those big plays, he just gave you concrete numbers. And we know this league is about projection, right? It's what can I do with these incredible gifts that you got? That's why you know we'll talk to Field Yates tomorrow and do a little more in-depth look at the combine. But that's why all of the wingspan stuff what your lower body power looks like, all of these things you're projecting and saying, hey, if I can get him in the building and coach his ass up, can I get the most out of those tools that maybe weren't maximized in college? And so, yeah, he smartly understood, hey, I can go out here and I can turn heads. I know I've got this in the bag. We've known that about him, but there's something about seeing it itemized out in all of these really impressive numbers that's going to make everyone salivate a little bit more because they can't help themselves. And I know there's always this tension between college football Twitter and draft Twitter. The people that watched him at Florida and said, we saw a flawed player that between two staffs, we didn't feel like we got the most out of. Sometimes that's the game. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that's how it goes with the environment that was created around there. It's no disrespect to either of those coaching staffs, but it's just the reality that it's a little bit different up in that next level. So there's no question he is one of the biggest winners coming out of this weekend. He is going to be a guy that probably doesn't fall out of the top five now either. Like We're probably in the realm where as people start to look at stuff they want to gamble on for for the NFL draft, Three quarterbacks in the top five, three quarterbacks in the top seven picks, not really a far-fetched idea. Okay, and I'm looking forward to seeing it, Mike. But to go back to that Purdue great, Drew Brees, Aiden O'Connell, who has proven to be the most, what? No, I was waiting for you to finish. Okay, he's been proven to be the most accurate quarterback to come out of Purdue the way that he went from walk on to you know second team all, all Big Ten, I liked what I saw from him, especially those uh, with 366 yards he threw against Michigan in an effort that we just knew that Michigan was going to end up winning that game. He's at 6'3", 213, nine and three quarters uh, hand size. He's he's nothing to call home about, uh, but in a season we just finished where Mr. Irrelevant helped get his team to a NFC championship game. 
all of these quarterbacks are important to me now, and I think he's one of the better ones. Yeah, there's going to be guys like him, uh, Dorian Thompson, Robinson, Clayton Toon from Houston, all these guys that are going to certainly get later looks here because they've played a lot of football in college. Like to your point, Aiden's played a bunch of football. DTR is like a four or five year starter. The same yeah, with Clayton years, Toon yeah. at Houston is a guy who's played a bunch of football. So yeah, that's the value that comes later, but they are absolutely skill-wise and ability-wise a tier below, right? Bryce Young is by far the best quarterback, pure quarterback of any of these guys in what he's been able to do. C.J. Stroud might be a little cleaner because of the size stuff right now. And then for Levis, listen, he did, say, he did a lot of the stuff that we expected. Can fire balls in there, is going to look great in shorts and a cutoff. Has some questions to answer about his awareness in the pocket when the rush breaks down at certain times, but we know yeah. all the things, the strengths that he can do. And so that's going to be him having to have those conversations with team. I thought he was good. You saw good stuff there, but of the ones that popped, it was Anthony Richardson far and away. And then I think I see CJ Stroud probably right behind him in the realm of quarterbacks. It was a ton of fun to watch as always. I mean, I know we talked about it. The combine is an imperfect metric in a number of ways, but it is entertaining to see space aliens like Anthony Richardson go out there and do that thing. Yes. Um, Cansey, Kalanje, Kalanja, Cansey, the D tackle from uh, from Pittsburgh. I don't know if you saw him, uh-huh. but he ran a four six seven forty, the fastest forty since Aaron Donald uh, in 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 twenty fourteen, the fastest forty from any D lineman, or any D tackle since 03. Mike, uh, I was at 6'1", got a shout out to all the 6'1 Kings, but I was very impressed with him, and I love the fact that there are people like him that will make money for himself just by testing well. Was that like that D tackle from from Northwestern whose name is a mouthful? Yeah, I'm, we're gonna we're gonna do some work on learning to pronounce his name before we get yes. it on the podcast. But uh, yeah, was was sensational and. It's the old Mike Mayockism, right? Anytime when Mike Mayock was covering the draft, which I saw Rich Eisen slip up and call Daniel Jeremiah Mike Mayock on Sunday, which is hilarious. Old habits die hard. But one of the old Mayockisms was when a guy popped like that and had a time that maybe was faster than you expected or anything like that, he is, it's another reason for me to go back and check the tape again and watch yes. with an eye of, all right, Paris Johnson was a great example. Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle out of Ohio State, played left tackle for the Buckeyes. Stellar athlete. And one of the things that popped for him was arm length. Mm. Um, I think I saw that there are only like nine players in the history of measuring at the Combine that have an arm length that exceeds what he had. I'll go back and get this right here. It was Ben Solak over at the Ringer who tweeted out this. Yeah, um, Paris Johnson, only nine offensive tackle arm lengths are longer in the mock draftable database, and only two wingspans were longer, that being his teammate, Dewan Jones, who's a certified giant. But Paris Johnson's a guy, 36 and one-eighth inch arm, 85 and one-eighth inch wingspan. He's got long, long arms. People love that shit, especially for tackles. You go back and look at the tape, it does not show up consistently enough. He's a player where when you go back and watch, you say, people are getting into his chest too often. Why is that happening? Mm. 
He's a guy that reminds me a lot of Tyler Smith coming out of Tulsa last year, who a lot of people were worried about penalties coming in. Has the motor, has the body angles, has all the other good stuff. And so as an NFL evaluator, you go back and watch that and say, is this something that our organization can coach him to use better? Can we max out those tools? And where does that allow us to take him because of that? So that's what happens coming off this weekend is everyone goes back and says, all right, what did we see here? How does this stack up within the model of what we have for each position? What are the minimums that you got to have to be a ball player in this league, by and large, historically at each spot? And then from there, how does that reflect back in the tape? And how does that affect our grade for all these guys? Like I said, we'll get into more of that tomorrow with Field Yates when he joins us. ESPN NFL insider. He was back out in Indianapolis at the draft, boots on the ground. And so we'll hear all the conversation from that. But the quarterback situation definitely got interesting because Anthony Richard, quite honestly, did exactly what we expected. No one was surprised, but seeing it spelled out is so much different. Seeing the ball come off C.J. Stroud's hands one after another next to all of his peers in that quarterback group that stuff you can see the differences there Brandon you brought this up last week going into the combine seeing side by side how all these guys look as opposed to just isolated on tape that's where some of these guys felt that they could help themselves and some of them did and so Mm -hmm. that's what we take stock of coming off the weekend uh who was your final rose Brandon your non-combine rose that we want to get to here because you are allowed to thank you thank you so much uh, speaking of they are who we thought they were I know it's not exactly what you said but that's where my brain went um, Travis Kelsey hosted SNL I know we talked about it last week Mike but my rose goes to his brother Jason mm. Kelsey who seemed like this like crutch that I don't know if Travis Kelsey leaned on during this process, but SNL writers and the people preparing the show definitely did. Uh, Travis uh, Jason Kelsey was up front and center while Travis gave his um, opening monologue. They sh- went to him twice for a specific joke. He delivered on his lines. Uh, as the 34th athlete to ever host SNL, they did a lot of pre-produced segments. Right, like you, you see that a lot, and some Lonely Island guys, uh, you know, Andy Samberg and them got very, very popular uh, doing the the pre-tape bits for SNL, and Travis did a great job in those, but Jason did a better job in a lot of those things. Like there was there was a a, a fake United Way commercial for women whose boyfriends can't pick them up, and NFL players would be there to help. Uh, <laughs> hoist their uh, girlfriends in the air for their for their boyfriends and Jason Kelsey was hilarious on those like I just wanted to give flowers to the person who in a loss obviously didn't win the Super Bowl but his brother did and it, they mentioned in the monologue that it's very awkward in that situation which I thought was hilarious but the way they played off each other in the way that Jason was willing to help his brother really cement this uh, appearance on SNL was beautiful and I thought it was just very well done. So shout out to Jason Kelsey. Classic Big Brother stuff, classic O-line stuff. The brand is strong. Yes, okay. I see, he's a, I see what you did there. He's a natural born. Bring it yourself a little bit. Nah, I see that, hey, but okay. Always got to make it about me some. Shout out to Creed Humphrey, by the way, in that United Way sketch. The most efficient yes. screen time of any player in SNL on that, sh- on that bar none. Like you said, Equitable with his words, 
even better on the screen time. So, it yeah. was sensational. The American Girl Doll sketch was incredible. The, um, I think, motivational yes. speech or life coach where he's just knocking out nerds left and right. All of it. Very funny physical <laughs> comedy. Very funny delivery was, from Travis Kelsey. It was just, I wasn't expecting to see so much Jason there with Travis hosting, and I was glad to see it. Yeah, it was. They are smart to continue to lean into one of the coolest things about their story, which is the fact that they've been able to do all of this together. So, kudos to the Kelsey brothers for once again continuing what has been a banner year for that family and for those two on the content side of things. Amen. Tons of fun at Gojo Show on Twitter. If we missed anything when it comes to the roses handed out for this weekend, but Brandon, now it is time to ask the most Don't important please. question of the day. Do you know what time it is? I do, Mike. And this is going to be bad. If you know what this is before I start singing, you're sick and go get help. Okay? Who's the leader of this club and made for you and me? M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E Hey there, hi there, the rhythm do it to me. M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E Mickey Mouse Mickey Mouse Mickey Mouse da, da. Forever let us hold up in a high, 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 high Come along and sing the song and join the jamboree M-I-C-K-E-Y This, that, and the third this, that, and the third. <laughs> wow. Throwback. I, it took me a little bit to get it, like you said, mercifully. But, uh, yeah. Soundtrack of a generation. Uh, and probably another generation. I feel like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and all that stuff have really been popular for young kids now. Yes, but they switched that. The Mickey Mouse uh, Clubhouse, the new one on Disney, is Mickey Mouse Funhouse. Come on, side it. Come on, come inside. It's fun inside. It's something weird like that. It's definitely not as catchy as uh, anything Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears was able to harmonize when they're in their youth. But I had to do it just because I'm in the hat and the in the outfit and. I drank the Kool-Aid this weekend. Commitment to the bit, baby. Listen, I used to work for the mouse. It feel good sometimes. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Papa Mickey, I appreciate all that money. You guys are great. Um, As always, if you enjoy Brandon's commitment to the bit, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and tell Brandon what a phenomenal job he has done. And Brandon, by the way, people have been doing so. Ooh. Yeah. Really? Wanted to pay off. We don't read these often, but when I remember to do it, they're usually because they're compliments paid your way here. Uh, at Seagull Sailor, <laughs> HYFR, best this, that, and the third yet after your Drake performance from what? last week. What? Someone I'm very took, surprised to see that. Someone took us Shut up out. on it, man. So listen, I just want to make sure. You got, everyone understands we are reading we are watching we are listening so when you compliment Ooh. Brandon I can hear it and I can see it make sure you got that going there and keep those up uh, Brandon let's get to this okay let's do it the weekend had a full sports slate here one of those what we talked about UFC 285 John Jones making his return to the octagon after a three year hiatus where he moved up to the heavyweight weight class and 
announced his presence with authority. He choked out Cyril Gain in two minutes and four seconds of the first round of the Saturday night main event in Vegas. And uh, Brandon, the bad man is back, like who is already considered the LeBron James of the uh, of the UFC. Absolutely yes. dominant in his return and his move up in weight class. That was wild. So I didn't see the fight, but I saw the weigh-in and how calm John Jones is. Like he's not that he's usually more animated because he's pretty confident, but I, I thought he had a I'm going to demolish this young man look in his face and eye, and it happened. Now, I think because the fight was over so quick, right? You had all this buildup, and you're right. He did look oddly calm, and he had always said going into this, in his camp, they didn't do a lot of media, there wasn't a lot of press, and there wasn't even a lot of video coming out of it because he wanted to kind of go out and let his pads do the talking, to borrow the football term. Mission accomplished after the fight is when he started to use the words because I don't know if you saw former uh, heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou, the reason that this title was vacated was because he had a disagreement with Dana White about how much he was getting paid up and left the UFC as a free agent. And he tweeted something, you know, congratulating John Jones. And when John Jones got asked about it in post-game press conference, he said Francis is a big effing P word and let it fly. So I do wonder... If this might be the push now that John Jones is back and going to be fighting at this weight class, if it might convince Francis Ngannou and everyone to come together and understand there'd be a lot of money if you could make that fight happen, maybe we get him back here. So that would be, and you know, we'll talk and go and see if that's realistic in the world that we live in now around the fight game, but that would be the one as John Jones is now back. If we could get those two to actually go and clash, that would be what everyone's looking for. Mike, I just I just want to continue to see Dad by John Jones out there looking very athletic and and I, I don't know we're used to seeing him look like like Anderson Silva while he does this and he just looked so he looked like you and Spanks out there a little bit and he and he, and he still looked ama- like not that it good or bad like he just looked more human than he's ever looked and still looked under like still looked as terrifying i think he looked comfortable though and that was part of this mm. is the reason he didn't want to jump to this right away is because he always said i want to put the weight on gradually i want to be able to do and yeah. listen to two minutes and four seconds it's not like we got some advanced look into his repertoire as a heavyweight right, right. because of how quickly this ended but the way he approached it at the very least, this idea of wanting to put great on, weight on gradually versus all at once leaves some exciting possibilities open for the future. So the bad man is back doing bad man things. And uh, your boy Drake made some money, Brandon, off that. Did you see that? Yeah, but he's he's constantly the person that puts money on red and black, and I feel like this is exactly what that was. So he bet on John Jones winning by knockout and also John Jones winning by submission. Uh, he had staked $500,000 in bets that in turn had a payout of $3 million in total for him. So, uh, yeah, Drake doing what he usually does here. He did the things. Uh, Brandon, let's get to that. We talked so much about John Morant. There was plenty other things that went on in the association this weekend, including Sunday's game between the Suns and the Mavericks. That was awesome. The Suns ended up getting a 130-126 win against Dallas in Dallas. Kevin Durant now been on the court. Kyrie Irving now been on the court for a pretty big sample size with the Mavs. 
And this game was an offensive showcase of both those guys. Like, getting the stunning feeling of watching Kyrie and Kevin Durant go actually against each other when they were teammates not but over a month ago is wild to think about an indictment of just what an insane chaotic mess that Brooklyn Nets season was but this game got super interesting so in the final couple minutes of this game it was a one score game and you end up getting this moment where Kevin Durant hits a dagger The Mavs have been double teaming it, trying to force the ball out of Kevin Durant's hands for the last few possessions. And on the final possession for the go-ahead bucket, KD just says, fuck it, drives left into a double team, pulls up at seven feet tall and shoots over everyone from the mid-range and makes the shot. He had been incredible for that entire game. Him and Devin Booker both, like, brought out the best in each other. You saw in this game, now the Mavs are nothing to write home about on defense. I get that. But you saw the problem they pose. You can stagger the minutes. You can have Book on the floor with the second unit as the primary scorer. You can have Booker and Durant out there together that create opportunities, wide open ones for Chris Paul and everybody else on that team. But in that moment, you saw Kevin Durant do the reason and do the thing why we assume they're all the finals favorite out of the West. Because when you need it, he had it. And going back down the other direction, Luka Doncic then comes down, drives, and gets a point-blank look at the tying bucket, misses a bunny, and no two ways about it. He'd been playing with a thigh injury, but even he said, I'm not going to blame it on that. I had the look I wanted. I didn't make it. Goes back down the other way, and that's when Devin Booker uh, starts talking his shit. And... The two of them got it face-to-face. They had already had some bad blood from last year's playoff series when the Mavs sent the Suns home. And Luka even said after the game, it's fine, it's just a competitive game, it's all good. Just next time, don't wait until there's three seconds left to talk. The two of them face-to-face, chest-to-chest smirking. Brandon, who you taking, Luka or... or, uh, or, um, Devin Booker? Devin Booker. I mean, I'm going Luka all day, baby. Yeah, he's too big. I gotta go Luka. Too big. Huh? He's too big. You can't go big. Can't get a bit I mean, that. He's 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 too big, but he's also too confident. Like I truly believe Devin Booker trusts his ability as a shooter on the basketball court, but everything else, he's gassing himself up to to have that gusto like Drake. Like I, I really do believe Luca is that guy. And simply as simple as said, you can look at those post game interviews. Luca said, as you mentioned. I want him to talk before his last seconds of the game. And Devin Booker is very, I want to say very cowardly, but that's what it was. He was like, we're just two guys out there competing. You know, we're just, we just, you know, when we're out there competing against each other, we want, we want to get the best out of each other. And it's like, okay, no, like y'all don't like each other. One of you has the upper hand because you can beat you in a fight and a basketball court. And then the other one is Devin Booker. I will say Devin Booker also did say after the game, you guys don't want everybody to be friendly, friendly. Here you go. We got some smoke. So he did acknowledge these teams don't like each other, which is awesome. The losing card here. And if you're Luka Doncic, the easy shit talk is, all right, man, you're not even the guy on your own team. Like they had to bring in this other guy because you can't just get it done on your own. If I'm Luka, Luka's the dude on his team. And Devin Booker oh, is not. Yes, Kevin yes, Durant yes. is the okay. dude on that team. So it's the low-hanging fruit in this, but it's like Luka's not playing against Devin Booker. He's playing against Kevin Durant as we line up and, you know, beer pa- or uh, right. you know flip cup style line up with our partner. He's lining up with Kevin Durant. So it's one of those things where there's hey. kind of levels to this conversation. Yes, as Tim Hardaway Jr. said, that there's bad blood still within the series between the two, but... Like Luca said last year, 
to the Clippers to the Suns. All it's easy to talk trash when you're up. And I feel like Luca is the king of talking trash, regardless of what's going on. Like very LeBron James esque of him in that regard. Yeah, Luca might just want to like talk less overall, especially to the officials. One um, might think in some of these games, like he does get a little bit preoccupied with that at certain junctures in a way that's not always going to help them a ton. And did I think get him chirped a little bit by Jason Kidd the other day after their loss, who was like, "I'm not the savior. I'm not out there." It, it, it uh, Jason Kidd is a coach, and the wild mind games that go on are always kind of wild to hear about in retrospect. But uh, yeah, no, Luca's going to talk his shit. I mean, he's laughing right in Devin Booker's face, which is almost worse. Like. That's the thing that I'm sure Luca seems smug, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but as far as he comes off in these interactions, he's got that real ability to be an asshole in a way that I just don't think is as germane to Devin Booker's person. Okay, it can, germane or not, Devin Booker comes off as smug, but he also comes off as scared, and that's why I don't believe him. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far, but that being said, if we're squaring him up, I'm taking Luca Again, too big, not really too fast, but definitely pretty strong. And fast, uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely not too fast. There's, there's sometimes it's incredible. It looks like he's playing with ankle weights on, and yet he still is able to get to the basket and get whatever he wants. Nothing but love. Rockley? Yeah. It's, <laughs> yes, exactly. Rock when he finally sheds those ankle weights and Rock Lee starts whooping ass at full speed. Ooh. But that's what it looks like for Luca. It looks like at any point in time he could take the ankle weights off and you're like, I didn't know he was this fast. <laughs> All time scene. Um Brandon, let's get to the third here. We are closing in on selection Sunday coming up next weekend in college basketball. Uh men's and women's tournaments getting going here in the conference tournaments and man Dawn Staley is her mm. South Carolina mm. went ahead and did it again they won the seventh SEC tournament title in women's bat uh in for the women's basketball team there they're chasing a second consecutive national championship they're 32 and0 right now they beat Tennessee in the SEC final. 74 to 58. They're undefeated in the SEC regular season, the third time that they have done that under Don Staley, and have won their three SEC tournament games by 27, 29, and 16 points. It is incredible. I, I, I grew up in Connecticut, so I watched Gino Ariama and the UConn women's basketball dynasty for years reign in this sport. Right. Much like we talked about in college football, Georgia has taken what was Alabama's and is now at the helm of college football. That's what Dawn Staley did by force, came in and built a team bigger, faster, stronger that has bullied everyone since she got there. I mean, she's been consecutively selling out since she's been there. Obviously, someone who had her own. Uh, uh, highly decorated uh, WNBA career before she started coaching. Uh, also, we, I forgot, I realized we forgot to shout out uh, Coach Ivy. Best case scenario, she ends up having a Don Staley-like career. Obviously, Muffet McGraw is also someone to, to look up to, but for, for black women in this chair uh, leading teams, it's, uh, it's just different. It's just different. It hits different. It is different the entire time. So I, I like that comp even even more so. So shouts out to Coach Ivy, but also I mean Don Staley just continuously being a a measuring stick for coaches for women basketball for all of the above. 
Uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Congratulations to Coach Ivy. He was ACC Coach of the Year also in the conference. Stellar season. They obviously didn't finish the way they wanted to in the ACC tournament because they're down Olivia Miles, the youngest Mabry sister. Like They yeah. walked in without two of their best players and still performed really admirably. But for South Carolina, like you also had this last week, Aaliyah Boston repeats as SEC Player of the Year and was also the Defensive Player of the Year. She's the third Gamecock to win. Tiffany Mitchell and Aja Wilson were also both multi time winners Wilson now has the most in both South Carolina and SEC history with three Dawn Staley's named SEC coach of the year for the sixth time in her career and the second time in a row like you go on and on down the list and it's just an armored car of a basketball team that's getting ready to try and become I think just the 10th team to go undefeated throughout the entire season I believe I'll double check I'll double check that right now but um. Yeah, going undefeated would be a first for South Carolina. There have been nine previous teams from four programs in NCAA women's basketball history to go undefeated. So they would join the 86 Texas team, UConn in 1985, 2002, 2009, 2010, 2014, and 2016, and then Tennessee in 98 and Baylor in 2012. So it is uh it's the new dynasty. Listen, yes, yes they are. And I I don't I don't know how many basketball statues there are outside of South Carolina. I know Asia Wilson has one, the uh, the Las Vegas Aces star. Don Staley deserves one at the end of her tenure. Oh, yeah. You can sign, seal, and deliver that bad boy. Book it. Um, you can also sign, seal, and deliver this podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get them. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. And check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo of Mike Golick Jr. tab. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.